Are you a Christian who finds yourself struggling with the same sin over and over again? Do you feel like your life doesn't seem to reflect the resurrection you know to be true? Have you tried dozens of books and techniques only to find yourself discouraged and ready to give up? Well, we've got good news for you. Questions like these inspired our journey into the rich biblical truths we call New Heart Theology. And we believe if you join us in this journey, we'll learn together, we'll wrestle together, and we'll strive together unto godliness. Welcome to the New Heart Theology Podcast. I'm Kevin Lehman, and I'm a pastor and certified biblical counselor in Wilmington, North Carolina. My co-host, Grant Forrester, is out this week doing fancy stuff like writing papers and taking exams for his graduate classes in apologetics, but Lord willing, he'll be back with us on the next episode. Today on the show, we're going to be answering the question, why NHT isn't Gnosticism? One of the things we occasionally hear as we engage with gifted theologians, pastors, and thinkers about New Heart Theology is a concern that it may sound a little bit like Gnosticism. That doesn't happen often, but we thought, why not just talk about it on an episode and hopefully bring some clarity to that concern? If you haven't listened to the episode on the corrupted body and the one on disciplining our bodies unto righteousness, I would highly recommend listening to at least those first if not all of the previous shows. Because my guess is, if you started there, it would clear up the confusion even without having to listen to this episode. But we're also aware that this may be the first episode some people listen to, and so we want to cover it here as well. And even if you are one of the many that this isn't an issue for you, here's the thing. If you're going to preach, teach, or counsel NHT concepts at any point in the future, there's a chance you'll encounter someone asking this question. And the answer is rather straightforward, but I want you to be ready for it should it come up. I think people generally pose this question for one of two reasons. One, they haven't really listened to or engaged with what we're teaching, like maybe they've heard it from a second party. Or two, they don't have a strong grasp on what Gnosticism actually is. Or of course, it could be some of both, and and that's fine. Genuinely, it is. I mean, asking good questions is how we got here in the first place. Questions are always welcome. So what we're going to do is basically break this show into two main segments. First, we're going to explain what Gnosticism is. You can't really know whether or not we're Gnostics, or if you're a Gnostic, if you don't really know what Gnosticism teaches. And second, We're going to look at why the Gnostics were considered heretics by the church fathers and then see how we stack up against those Gnostic heresies. So here we go. Gnosticism was primarily a first century heresy that spread through Jewish and Christian sects. That's S-E-C-T-S. It's interesting that it never really escaped the first century, not with any momentum anyway. The early church fathers squashed it out almost as soon as it began. The defining doctrine of Gnosticism was based in a strict Platonic dualism, and they believed the highest good or the highest God must exist outside of the material realm and therefore would be incapable of creating an imperfect world. The dualism they held to was considered radical and was visible in their soul versus flesh paradigm. 
Now, keep in mind, there's nothing inherently wrong with a soul versus flesh paradigm. Peter himself said in 1 Peter 2.11, Beloved, I urge you as sojourners and exiles to abstain from the passions of the flesh, which wage war against your soul. Peter described the flesh as warring against the soul. So this is a biblical concept, but as we'll see in a minute, the Gnostics took it too far. And as you are listening through this episode, I want this idea to be at the forefront of your mind, that Gnosticism is born out of an imbalanced version of dualism, but dualism is not Gnosticism. Let me say that again. Gnosticism is born out of an imbalanced version of dualism, but dualism is not Gnosticism. Gnostics also believed in a supreme hidden deity that could only be known through mystical insight. They believed this unknowable God sort of created these beings called archons, which were hidden powers in the universe. And these archons had personalities and powers, kind of like lesser gods. And one of these archons, Sophia, the power of wisdom, accidentally created the Demiurge, who they believe was the evil god who created the material world, and thus all matter is evil just because it's matter. So if you're a Gnostic, all matter is always evil. Along with this, they believed that every human has a piece of the supreme god in them. Keeping in mind, this supreme God is not Yahweh. They called this piece of God a spark. The default condition of this spark was a dormant one. They believed it to be asleep until it had been awakened. And they believed that knowledge from outside the material world must feed or enlighten the spark for the person's spark to be awakened. They thought Jesus was a divine created being who came to lead humanity back to the spiritual light. They believed he is the one who awakens the sleeping spark, which is actually far more Buddhist than it is Christian. And then many of them held to a complex hierarchy of knowledge that could only be obtained by communing with various archons and angels along the ladder to supreme knowledge of which Jesus was the highest created being. Much, much more could be said about the various nuances of their belief system, but I thought it would be helpful for us to look at exactly why they were rejected by the early church fathers so we can better understand where they stray from the true gospel of Jesus Christ. Rebecca DeNova, in her article on worldhistory.org, has written a very helpful list of seven reasons the Gnostics were condemned by the church fathers. We're going to go through that list point by point and see how they stack up against New Heart Theology. If I am able to clearly show how each of these rejections of Gnosticism have no resemblance of NHT, then we could safely conclude that Gnosticism is an unfair label for what we teach. Let's begin with number one. The Gnostics promoted a higher God of pure essence and love as the true God over the creator God. NHT explicitly denies the existence of any God above Yahweh, the one and only creator of all things. We agree with scripture for although there may be so-called gods in heaven or on earth, as indeed there are many gods and many lords, 
Yet for us, there is one God, the Father, from whom are all things and for whom we exist, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom are all things and through whom we exist. Number two, Gnostics agreed that the creator God in Genesis created the universe, but creation consisted of evil matter. In some Gnostic systems, the God of Israel was not only evil, but Satan himself. Thus, the commandments of the God of Israel were deemed invalid. Now, NHT teaches that God's creation was good. I just said it in the last episode before this one. We believe God's creation was good because he said it was good. We believe because of sin, his creation is not what it once was, but it is still good. It still puts his greatness on display, even if in a diminished way from its original capacity. We also believe God will restore the material world to its original goodness, or perhaps even better, when the new heavens and the new earth arrive. We definitely don't believe the God of Israel was evil or was Satan, and we definitely don't believe his commandments were invalid. Point three, Gnostics claimed that their teachings came directly from Jesus, They say in those scenes in the Gospels, when Jesus takes the disciples aside to better inform them, that he also taught secret things that were passed down to them. Obviously, we believe Jesus taught his disciples things that are not recorded word for word in the Gospels. But we also believe that any and all truth that we need to know for salvation and for godliness is recorded in the written word of God. Next point. A Gnostic, after being awakened, would study the heavens and learn the means to navigate the various layers. And in this sense, Gnostics viewed salvation as an individual matter rather than involving the rest of the community. In other words, salvation could not be achieved through the cross, church hierarchy, or rules. Nowhere do we teach our listeners to study the heavens for knowledge. Nor do we teach salvation by any other means but through the cross of Christ. We teach salvation is not a mere awakening from a slumber, but that it is death to life, a rising from the spiritual grave. And if you spend some time listening to our episodes on regeneration and the indwelling, this will be utterly clear. Point five. Once one successfully made it through the upper atmosphere, one spark united with the Godhead. And in some systems, one even became God. Now, I'm pretty sure we've never called the soul a spark, which is popular Gnostic terminology for that sleeping piece of God in you. And we absolutely deny that at death we are reunited with the cosmic whole or with the Godhead. We just taught in our glorified body episode that we will have unique existences beyond death and into all of eternity. Having already made our souls new, God will also reward us with glorified bodies at the resurrection so that we can be whole individual human beings to live in his kingdom forever. And no, of course, we don't believe that we become gods. Moving on. The sixth reason the church fathers rejected Gnosticism is this. 
In Gnostic systems, there is a denial of what was becoming standard Christian teaching, eschatology, or the future return of Christ to usher in the kingdom of God. For Gnostics, the kingdom is within the individual. Nobody here at NHT believes the kingdom of God is within the individual. We believe that the spirit of God resides within the individual, as the scripture teaches, but we do not believe the promised kingdom to come or the current kingdom, depending on your eschatology, is active only within the individual. Christ will rule over this material world during his millennial reign whenever you think that is. Now, the seventh and last point is where I think people get confused. It goes something like this. Gnostics would say that the human body was evil because it consisted of physical matter. For most Gnostic systems, Jesus was not incarnated into a human body. They preached the concept known as docetic or appearance. Jesus only appeared in the form of a human so that he could communicate with humanity. Please allow me to get the obvious out of the way first. Never have we taught or even implied that Jesus did not come to earth in physical form. This is a key doctrine of the Gnostic system that because all matter is evil, Jesus could not have had a real body. They believe he was only a spirit that presented himself in physical form, but was not really physical. If this were true, his death and resurrection would be null and void. I can assure you, this is not what we believe. But where I think people may be getting stuck is on this idea of the body being evil. And I want to explore that as kind of its own mini segment within the second segment. Please listen to this segment carefully, because if you're getting hung up, this is probably where it's at. And if you haven't spent a lot of time with what we teach, or you haven't really looked at what Gnosticism teaches, I can somewhat understand the confusion. After all, Gnostics said the body was evil, and it sounds like we're saying the body is evil. And Gnostics believed in a body versus soul paradigm, and we teach a body versus soul paradigm. Now, we teach a body-soul paradigm because the apostles taught a body-soul paradigm. It's called dualism. We did a whole episode on it when we taught on point one, the holistic duality of man. Dualism in and of itself is not a heresy. You can be a dualist and not be a Gnostic. As with most theological or philosophical concepts, there are many varying degrees of dualism. Being a dualist doesn't make you a Gnostic any more than being a Calvinist makes you a fatalist, or being an Arminian makes you an open theist. There are usually heretical extremes to any doctrine, which is why we have to be so careful with the way we handle Scripture. I could even make an argument, and I won't do it here, that extreme versions of idols of the heart theology could lead us to potentially losing our salvation, that the work of regeneration can be undone and then redone and then undone again. Hopefully you see my point. Gnostics bought into a very extreme version of dualism that went beyond even Platonic dualism, which we've already rejected. So, of course, they ran into issues. Here is their logic. They believe, or believed rather, because Gnostics don't really exist anymore, that because all matter is evil, the body is completely evil. I'm going to say that one one more time. Because all matter is evil, the body is completely evil. 
This is an important distinction. They aren't saying the body is evil because of the sin nature. They are saying the body is evil just because it's material. They aren't targeting the body as evil specifically, but rather generally because they thought all matter was evil. So since the body is matter, it must also be evil. They believed matter was unredeemable, and thus the body could be used for nothing but evil with no hope of ever doing anything good. If you go back and listen to any of our episodes on the corrupted body or disciplining our bodies, you would hear us say repeatedly that the goal of life in Christ is using our bodies for good. That's why when people compare us to Gnosticism, I'm leery of whether or not they have actually listened to what we're teaching. Because what we're saying is the exact opposite of Gnosticism. Gnostics say the body is only capable of evil. We're saying the whole point is to use your body for good, to put God's greatness on display in his good material creation. We're saying our final destination in the glorified physical body is a material destination. Gnostics would never say these things. I could go into listing all the passages that support our position, but honestly, that's what the other episodes are for, and I'd really encourage you to listen to them. But as we wind down, I think you can see that we don't really teach anything that resembles Gnosticism, and it would be wildly unfair to associate us with that label. The only thing we have in common with Gnosticism is dualism, but we also have that in common with the apostles and the church fathers. And as I've already stated, being a dualist doesn't make you a Gnostic. These scriptures, especially in the New Testament, are full of verses that point to a body and soul paradigm. We're not saying the body isn't capable of good. We are saying the sin nature for the believer resides in the body because Paul says the sin nature resides in the body at least 13 times just in Romans 6 and 7. Check out the Corrupted Body episode for that walkthrough. But dualism is not the problem. Believing matter is intrinsically evil is the Gnostic problem. And I can assure you, we don't believe matter is intrinsically evil. We believe precisely the opposite. And so if dualism makes us Gnostic, then we'll have to wear that label along with the apostles and most of the church fathers because they also held to a body-soul dualistic paradigm. So in conclusion, we're not Gnostic. Yes, we believe the desires of the flesh are set against the desires of the spirit that indwells our souls. Paul said that. Yes, we believe that the passions of the flesh wage war against our souls. Peter said that. And yes, we believe that the body apart from the spirit is dead. James said that. But we don't allow our dualism to go any further than Scripture allows. And that's why I can confidently say we don't embrace any of the heretical doctrines of Gnosticism. The greatest event in human history was our Creator taking on a material body so that through His divine power, we might display His greatness with our material bodies in His material world. All right, I think I'm going to wrap it up here because if I keep going, I'm just going to end up saying stuff we've already explained in great detail in other episodes. But before I go, let me take a quick opportunity to tell you what's coming up next. 
We have two huge episodes in line for you as we wrap up season one. So monumental that we'll probably only be able to tackle one each week. The first one will be an introduction to what we believe about the mind. Everyone always wants to know what it is in us that's actually making the decision. Well, we're going to begin to answer that question in that episode. The second and final episode of the season will be an introduction to what we believe about spiritual warfare. What if I told you that your thoughts are not always your thoughts? How would you know? Ephesians 6.12 says, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. We can't understand our battle against sin without understanding how the spiritual realm affects us. Now, don't worry, we're not going to turn charismatic on you, but this is foundational for godliness. We continue to be blown away by the support and encouragement that you guys and gals are offering. Please consider leaving us an honest five-star review and subscribing to the show. But by now, you know we love it when you tell a friend about us. If you only have time for one means of support, the most valuable thing you could give us is your recommendation to others. Thank you, thank you, thank you. If you have questions, comments, or feedback, please feel free to hit me up on Twitter or Instagram. My handle on both is at Kevin Lehman, and that's L-A-Y-M-O-N. I'm also on Facebook, though I don't check it often, but you can look me up on there as well. I think that'll do it. Thanks for listening, and God bless.